New Life Church. Thanks for listening in. We exist as a church to connect people to the heart of God and to a family within the church. And we believe that Jesus is the way. We hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today. Okay, okay. Well, y'all, we have an amazing morning planned for you. If you were here about a month ago, you, you got the honor, the privilege to hear from the man, the myth, the legend, Robert Upshaw. Uh, he came in and he spoke an incredible message in the family series. And when he spoke that message, I was like, I've got to have him back for Father's Day. And, and there was something that we promoted that weekend that you're going to hear more about, which was a book called The Intentional Father. Uh, intentional Father. Some of you guys, you pre-ordered that. We have that this weekend. Uh, we, we did a deal with the publisher. They gave us 60% off, okay? So normally it's a $16 book. It's a $10 book today. If you can't afford it, we will scholarship it to you. We will get it to you because dads, the one thing we need is a plan. Can I get amen, somebody? Okay, so I've got Robert back, all right? He's got another message for us this morning, so y'all need to gear up. Turn to your neighbor, say, get ready. Come on, turn to your neighbor, say, get ready. We got a good word coming. And let's put a New Life Church downtown welcome together for my friend, Pastor Robert. Wow. You know, when you get an introduction, they expect something out of you. I hope you're expecting nothing. It is a joy to be here this morning. It always is to be in God's house and to talk about his word and his greatness. I am so thankful to be here. Um, Ronson has no idea what it means to me when he asks to come down here. Um, my wife and I feel at home when we're here. She's not here today. She's in Florida with one of our kids at a volleyball tournament where there's 4,000 teams and all that great stuff. So they're down there and I guess I'm alone on Father's Day. But I have all of you. <laughs> I have all of you. Father's Day is, uh, is very dear to me. It's, it's, it's very important to me. Um, I've always wanted to be a dad. And I shared that a little bit the last time I was here with you. But I think so highly of fathers. I just do. Maybe it's because I had such a good one. And um, you're very valuable. So today, I just want you to hear, I, I want to talk about something good and uplifting about fathers today, and that's what I'm going to attempt to do. Would you bow with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, you're our great father. And we just pause for a moment just to tell you thank you, that you never change, that you're constant, you are who you are, and you cannot go back on that. Father, we are glad that you're God and we're not. We're thankful that your love for us is more than we could ever comprehend, Lord. Father, that your love, you tell us that you will never forsake us or leave us. There's nothing that can snatch us out of your hand once we know your son is our savior. Thank you for being such a loving and encouraging father, a father that cares and understands and meets our needs. Father, I just wanna pray over the earthly fathers that are here this morning. Those who want to be, those who are planning to be, and those who are. Father, I just pray that you would speak to their hearts this morning. I pray that you would encourage them to stay in the fight because it is worth it. No matter what the world says about dads, it is worth staying in the fight and being the best dad that we could be for you, Lord, and for the people that we embrace daily. Father, we want you to be lifted up so that you would draw all men unto you. We give you praise and thanks and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
What does a godly father provide? What does a godly father provide? I looked up some dad and father definitions, and this is what I found in the dictionary. Dad, a male parent. Great, that's exciting. It's good to know that it's a male parent since he's a dad. Father, a man who has begotten a child. Okay, sounds good. That is a wonderful definition. I was not inspired by either one of those as being a father. Father, one who gives unconditional love and support, a pillar of the family. Now I enjoyed that one. One who gives unconditional love and support, a pillar of the family. And then I ran into one more dad. Someone who is there to cheer you up, give you great advice or bad advice, and money. <laughs> when I read that one, I said, that's it. <laughs> there it is right there. It's really funny because God was the first one who created the dad, right? As we look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and you don't have to turn there because that's not where we're going today. But God gave us Adam, and this is what he told him. God blessed them and then said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill in the earth and subdue it. God designed the father. He had a purpose for the father. Not only did he design him, but he also wanted him to be holy and righteous and pure because he was created in his image. He had a great, great idea of what he wanted man to be. As a father, he had a goal for how we were supposed to live our lives, how we were to conduct ourselves, and how we were to live amongst people. He put a special, special stamp on the father. This is what he provides for us, a good father who is available in the lives of his kids. This is what it says. He provides love, the love that a kid will need to understand that he's accepted and feels comfortable with who he is in life. He says that he brings stability in our lives when you have a godly father. A godly father brings discipline. He looks out at his kid and he loves him enough to say, this is wrong and this is right. A father gives us wisdom. He is full of it. Sometimes it's not great wisdom, but it is wisdom nonetheless that he wants to give to us so that we will know how to live our lives. If you ever read the book of Proverbs, that's what Solomon is doing all the time. He is trying to instruct his kids on how to live their lives. Fathers give us pride about who we are. Not become prideful, but to know that there's a man that, that loves you unconditionally, regardless of your failures. Fathers give us our identity. Let's us know who we are. I am Jasper Upshaw's son, and what an honor it is to be a son. Father provides leadership. And in our communities today, if you look around, we desperately need leadership. When we start complaining and getting mad at all the madness that is out and about in our community, it can all go back to what is the dad doing in that young person's life? Does the dad exist? Is he influencing? Is he doing what he's called to do? Because God has called all of us men, all of us dads, future dads, those who mentor kids to lead. 
to lead. And we lead in two ways, right? I always tell my students this. We lead in two ways, correct? We're either leading in the righteous way in the right way or we're leading wrong in the wrong way. Those are the two things, men, that your kids watch you do daily. And they mimic that because you're the example in their lives. Fathers give instructions on how you live and what you're to do. Father gives you a work ethic. They tell you, they show you, and we'll see this in Genesis and Noah where he is showing his kids how to work. <laughs> work in the hot heat for years. We're going to see that. But there has to be a work ethic. Father gives direction. He teaches his kids which way to go so that he will not stray because there's a wide gate and a narrow gate. And our Heavenly Father wants us to walk to the narrow gate. And that should be the same goal that we have as men for our kids. Discipleship. I do realize that at churches we have youth and we have all of these things, but the first discipleship was to take place in our own home. Fathers and fathers-to-be, there's nothing wrong with a youth director directing your kids, but that is your job. That is your role. That is what God has called us to do. And some of us don't want that role because at times we feel like we don't know enough. At times we feel like it's too hard an effort that we have to go through. Sometimes we feel like someone else should do it. But God's going to hold us accountable. And then the last one he says here is that, that a godly man, a godly father, provides praise for his kids. One of the things that I am always mindful of when it comes to our kids is to praise them for something. I don't care what it is. Find something to praise them about. One of the hardest things that even some of us fathers in here deal with this very moment in our life is that our father never told us that he was proud of us. And there is a void, there is a hole right there that most men won't admit. Some men that I interact with daily are still waiting to hear, I'm proud of you. Fathers, do not neglect that of your kids. Tell them, find something. If they just got the dog outside in time before he pooped. <laughs> tell <laughs> That happened over there at our house. Tell them that you are proud of them. It is just vitally important. And we'll see some of these things as we look at Noah's life. If you stay involved as a father, these are the things that they say that will happen. That your kids will be better and will make better moral decisions if you're in their lives. If you're involved in their lives, dads, they will make better moral decisions. And look at our society right now. We need that. If you're involved in their life as a father, they have better self-control because you teach them how to handle their temper. You teach them how to respond to bad situations. You teach them things to where they can make adjustments in life. If you're involved as a father, they become more responsible for their actions. No one wants to say that it's my fault, that I did this wrong. We're always pointing fingers. And we're always using excuses rather than saying, that's on me. Fathers that are involved, there are fewer behavior issues when the father's involved. You guys are so vitally important. Less likely to commit crimes. Dad's involved. Dad's teaching you right from wrong. Dad said, stop that. Don't hang around those folks. Have a less chance of committing crime. 
you have a good self-esteem. Not always, but if dad is involved, you can come out with a better self-esteem about yourself. Academic success and a better social development. These are things that, that are about you, that we're gonna see a little bit of this in Noah's story right here, but I just want to encourage you that if you're involved with your kids and you're loving them and teaching them right and wrong, they have a chance of being successful in this life. And I'm not talking about money success. I'm talking about being a productive lover of God and a lover of his wife and a lover of his kids and a lover of doing his work and a lover of honoring God in everything that he does. And that's what you want when you leave this place. When my father left me three years ago to go home and be with the Lord, he had instilled in us so much stuff about being godly and walking and living a life that pleases God that I know that I am thankful because he was mindful of me and invested in me. And the same stuff that he gave me about the word are the same things that I fed into our kids. And I'm hoping that they will be all of what they can be for the Lord when I'm gone from this place. If you have your Bibles, let's take a look at that. Chapter 6, verse, <clears throat> verses 8 through 14. I'm going to share some things about Noah and about his godly being and about him being all of what he needed to be so that his kids would get all of what they needed to get. And the first point is this. Noah was a pursuer of God. Noah was a pursuer of God. In verse 8 and 9, it reads this way. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is his account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people in his time. He walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons. Look at what it talks about Noah here. Noah was a righteous man. It doesn't say that Noah was always right, right? But it does say that Noah was righteous. In other words, he had a pursuit after the holy God. If we are wanting our kids to live righteous, if we're wanting our kids to live upright, then we have to live that out in front of them, man. I think we get so afraid of what our kids might think of us because we talk a certain way or because we want to pursue God or because we don't want to rip and run and do all the crazy things that they see other dads doing. Our greatest command is to be the godly figure that stands in front of your family every day. Yes. Noah was a righteous man. It says that he was blameless. Now that blameless doesn't mean that he was without sin. That blameless means that he was pursuing God and that the things that he did, that he lived out before man, was righteous in God's eyes. In other words, you could look at Noah's life and you can say, I want to be like him. Right. His kids could look at how he lived and they can say, my dad is doing the right thing. You can tell he was a family man because he had the three sons, so he must have been taking care of his wife also. So he had an intact family, a family that loved God. He had sons that honored him, and he was honored by God. It is when we are pursuing God is when the times where we don't have to worry about anything else in this world because he's enough. Every time that I hear that song, that he is enough, and he is enough, and for Noah on that day, he was enough during Noah's time. And he has to be enough for us. I think so often we feed our kids that you got to be a great scholar, you got to make money, you got to be a great athlete, you got to be this, this, and that. Rarely do we ever tell them, I just want you to be a godly kid. 
I just want your heart to beat for God. I just want you to be a servant. I just want you to put other people first. I just want you to honor the Lord with all that you do. I just want you to be first in his life. We don't do that. We're so busy trying to keep up with what the world is doing that we forget that we have a command from God how to raise our kids. And I think that grieves God's heart. As I was driving over here this morning, I thought about that. I thought about all the hours that I've put in for our kids to be athletes. Because I was an athlete. I'm a has-been. I still want to be in some of my dreams. Y'all ever have those dreams where you forget your shoes? Trying to get to the football game, you get there, you don't have any shoes? I have dreams like that. Robert, those dreams are over. There's no more ball for you. <laughs> Let it go. But I remember just, just having all of this, what I wanted for my kids and athletics and all the goals that I wanted them to achieve. And as God began to work with me, all I want for them now is to love the Lord. That's all I want. I want them to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I want them to honor the Heavenly Father. And I think about when I put all those hours in that I can't get back, what would I go back and do differently? I would pour in them more Christ than I ever could imagine. Because I would want them to be in the image of the Lord and they want to serve him with all their heart. And I just confess this morning, they're all not there. They're all not there. And I wonder if I did enough. Noah right here, when it says that he was a righteous man, he was a man that was blameless, he was faithful to the Lord, he's passing that on down to his kids. And that's exciting. Noah was a pursuer of God. What are we today? What are we pursuing? What are we pursuing? There are so many things that we're caught up into. Our work, our social group, and whatever else you want to name. But are we caught up in him? Are we caught up into the Lord that when he, when someone looks out at our life, they say, oh, that's the God of the family over there. They're doing it right. Those are those godly kids. Not that they don't do anything that is wrong, but people see them pursuing the right thing. They have a hunger and a thirst for God's righteousness. Because Noah was a pursuer of God, it influences his kids to be a pursuer of God. What are we all pursuing today? I hope that it's God. Secondly, he protected his family. Noah protected his family as a provider. <clears throat> Excuse me. Protected his family. In Genesis chapter 10 and 12, it says this. Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Our job, man. Our job is to be protectors over the people that we love. That is our job. Noah looked around, and because God saw all the wickedness, you know Noah was experiencing it. He looked around, and he saw all of the other people, all of the other kids, all of the other men. It says that every inkling of man's thought was to do evil. And if you look out at our community and our society, 
it almost feels like every thought for many of our people is about doing evil. My kids never could understand why they couldn't go certain places. They never could understand why we didn't go see rated R movies as they were growing up. They never could understand why we would say, bad company corrupts good manners. You don't need to be hanging out with that group of kids. They never could understand that. But it is our job as fathers, as fathers-to-be, is to protect our family. And that means whatever means necessary. Noah saw the wickedness that was going on in this community. He didn't want anything to do with it. And so what he had to do is that he had to keep reminding, I'm sure, his kids, we don't act that way. We don't engage in those activities. We're not going to be a part of that. Well, everybody else is doing it. Well, that's the problem. Everybody else is doing it, but you're not going to do it. You're just not going to do it. You're my child. And that's the problem. We're letting society, we're letting top TV, we're letting Hollywood, we're letting athletes tell our kids all of what they should be doing and what they should be engaging in. That is our job. And I think we have failed him in that area at times. I know I have. Because I just wanted my kids to just get along with everybody else and just go along with what everybody else was doing. Probably my worst mistake. I told you guys the last time that I was here that, that our 16-year-old daughter, now 17, we took her phone. We took her phone. She was engaging in all kinds of things on that phone, looking up stuff, innocent stuff. But nevertheless, it was occupying her mind and occupying her heart. And we realized that we were losing control over what she was looking at, what she was listening to, who she was talking to. And we said, not in our house. It's our job until that kid reaches 18 and he or she is out that door. It is our job to raise them. It is our job to cover them. It is our job to protect them. And I don't think sometimes we want the responsibility to do that. Because that's hard. And it's necessary. And it is commanded by the Lord. But we're so caught up into our stuff that sometimes we forget about God's stuff. And some of God's stuff is that we raise our kids up to be in all of him and to honor him, to have reverence toward him. And that's where, dads, I think sometimes we fail. But the great thing about it is, is that if you're still breathing, <laughs> you're still talking, you got a chance to change those things. He wants us to protect our family. He wants us to provide the things that are necessary for our kids to one day be productive, godly people in our community. Because guys, I'm telling you, they get enough of the world from being in school and hanging around their friends. We have to protect them. Sometimes they don't want the protection, in all honesty, right? You've ever had a kid who just said, I'm gonna do it my way. Sometimes you have to cut them loose and let them hit rock bottom so that God can bring them back and restore them, so that their eyes would be open to truth, that the world has nothing good to offer them. Let's not waste our time. Let's not forget our job. Our job is to protect. We also see in point number three, he provided a God-centered atmosphere. He provided a God-centered atmosphere. Verse 13, so God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all the people for the, for the earth. It's filled with violence because of them. 
I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. He provided a God-centered atmosphere. When God is communicating to your heart, when, he is, when you're in prayer with him and when you're talking to him, when he stares your spirit, when he gives you something in there and he says, you have to change things in this house. This house does not please me. We're not thing, we're doing things that honor God. We're not doing things that brings honor to our kids. We have to change this atmosphere. In Noah's days, I can only imagine because it doesn't say this, but I want to believe that in his home, God was talked about. I want to believe that in his home, there was prayer going on. I want to believe in his home that there was things that were pointed out about, look at what this world is. This is not for you. God has something better for you. I want to believe that it was God-centered. And guys, we have to have God-centered homes. We have to create an atmosphere to where when people come into our home, they almost sense the spirit of God being there. Yes, yes. When we go out in the community and we interact with people, they sense that we spend time with God because we have a God-centered home, a God-centered focus, and we're trying to bring honor to the Lord, and everyone is gravitating towards that. Yes. We need that. I believe that Noah had that. And the reason that I do believe that is because God told him that he's going to destroy everything else but Noah's family was going to live. That tells me that Noah had met the needs of his family. He had honored the calling of the Lord. He had instilled godly, godly truths into his people and that they were living a life of righteousness. When God looks down at us men, I hope our desire and our will is to honor him and to please him, but also I hope and pray that we want to be God-centered in everything that we do. In our workplaces, when we interact with people, when we interact with our lost friends, that we are God-centered, that when people come into our atmosphere, they sense the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ excuse me. And then lastly, he was a responsible leader. He was a responsible leader. It says here in verse 14, and I'll close with this. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. Basically, Noah said, God said to Noah, Noah, you're my man. I have chosen you out of all the other people, and I want you to go and create this boat because I am trusting that you believe deeply in me. His desire was that Noah would be the man because Noah was obedient, because Noah was a father who feared God, because Noah talked about God, because Noah was not embarrassed about God, because Noah's life lined up with God. Men, our lives have to line up with God's. He has a perfect plan for us. You see, he taught his boys how to work as they built the ark. He had time that he was spending with the boys and telling them all about this relationship with God. He had time with the boys in those years that they were putting that ark together to understand about this God and why they were doing certain things. Are we feeding our kids the right things if we're spending time with them? Are we obedient enough that when they look out at our life, they can see Christ and that they gravitate to us because Christ lives inside of us? 
Our job, men, is to be an example for the Lord Jesus Christ so that people around us know that those people have encountered God. Noah's a great example of a godly man. And there's some other godly men, we talked about Job and so many others that, that wanted to live for God and did so. And their families walked alongside them and they were blessed because of it. When I think about my dad, when I think about how he lived his life, when I think about him having 16 of us, don't ask. <laughs> don't ask. Don't ask. I'll just say God is good and they filled their quiver, all right? They did what God told them to go and multiply, all right? When I think about him, and I think about him having all of us and never walking out on my mother, never cheating on my mom, when I think about him as a father, how he would pray for us after he's dropped us on our head because he fell asleep shaking us, mama took, the, took us away from him, wouldn't let him hold us very often. But my dad, my dad was the most godly man I met in my life. He lived out a Noah life. He was a righteous man in the community. He was blameless, he didn't engage in crazy, risky behavior. He didn't bring shame to God's name or to his family's name. He tried to be at every event that we had, and there was a lot of us, so he was at a lot of events. PTO, Boy Scouts, Football, basketball, you name it. My dad would work his tail off, rush back from Austin in the Blanco, which was about an hour away, and be at our games. Our dad took us to church. He loved the Lord. He loved his wife of 69 years, and three months before they hit 70, he went home to be with the Lord. I really want to just tell you men, I really want to tell you men that this father thing, it is worth it. It is worth what you have to invest back into your kids for however many years that it takes. Because the memories that I have of my dad, of him being the father and being the man, and he was a black man, of course, and we lived in an all-white community. And there was moments where he was made fun of, where he was talked about, where the N-word was used, where the N-word jokes were talked about. And my dad, because he had the love of Christ in him, he could hold his head up high, and he could walk in that community, and people respected him. He didn't fall subject to all of the garbage because Christ was in him. He embraced every person in that community. If you needed something, he was there for you. Miss my dad. Just like many of you here. And some of us I know didn't have great dads. But I'm telling you, dads, fathers today, you can still be that great dad. No matter what you've done wrong, 
no matter how bad things have been, no matter if you're going through a divorce, no matter if you haven't seen your kids in years, you can still be that father that they need to have in their lives. Because we need our fathers. We need our dads. I hope that I've been a good dad to our seven kids. I don't know. But I know this. From here on out, I got to always exemplify Christ so that they'll know when times are bad, I was trusting Christ. When things were good, I was trusting Christ. When I had to make decisions, I was trusting Christ. When I had to do something that I didn't want to do, I was trusting Christ. They have to see that. Men, they have to see that from you. Noah's kids got to see that. They got to see their dad at work in love with God, trusting God, having faith in God. They watched it happen in front of their eyes. What are your kids seeing when they see you, dads? What are they going to remember about you when you're gone? Are they going to say that he was loving? Are they going to say he discipled me? Are they going to say that he was caring? Are they say he, going to say he was absent? What are, they to, are they going to say he wasn't there for me? Are they going to say he didn't love me? Because let me tell you something. When it's all over, they can't tell you those things, and you can't tell them those things. One of my biggest regrets is that one day I called home, was talking to my sister, and we were just talking about life. Leslie and I were in Florida, and we were just doing our thing. And we were talking to Mama, and then we talked to some of our sisters, and then one of my sisters said, hey, do you want to talk to Daddy? He's sitting right over here. I said, no, I'll talk to him in a week or so. We'll, we'll be in Texas. We'll be in Texas then. And about three days after that, we got the call. Daddy had a heart attack, and he's gone. It's my one regret that I didn't get to talk to him. But the regret that I don't have is that I always told him that I loved him. I always told him how much I appreciated him. I always told him how important he was into my life. I always told him that I am me because of what he was with the Lord and from what he was instilled in him from the Lord, he instilled in me. The fire and excitement that I have for the Lord Jesus Christ trickles down from my dad, that trickled down from his dad, that trickled down from great-grandfather who helped start the first black church in our town many, many, many moons ago. That legacy just floats down from great-grandfather to great-great-father to dad to grandpa to my dad and to me. Dads, you mean everything to your kids. They might tell not tell you, but they know it. Be real with them. Yes. Be honest with them. Yes. Tell them the truth. More than anything else, tell them Christ. Now, I know I've run over time. I should have just done what Pastor told me to do. It's just talk about the testimony of my dad and my relationship with him. Because what he left for me is what I hope I live, leave with my kids. And I close with this verse. 
He's been planned a long time. <laughs> I hope this is not recorded. <laughs> Pastor Rick always says, when the man comes up to play, don't linger. But I'll linger and close with this. In, in 3 John, verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dad, that's what you once said about you when you leave here. That you have spent so much time instilling God's truth into your kids that this is the legacy you live behind. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Walk in that truth so that your kids will desire that truth also. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I, man, just so thankful. Just so thankful that you care about fathers. So thankful that you care so deeply about the men that you put in charge of the family. So thankful that you saw it fit to tell us how we're to live our lives so that those who we love, our wives, our kids, our friends, would know you as Lord because of the way that we live our lives. Father, thank you for how Noah lived out his life in front of his kids, in front of his community. Thank you how you allowed my father to live his life so that it would trickle down to me about godliness. Father, I pray over these men that their desire would be to love you, to serve you, to worship you, to walk with you. And that, Father, if anything interferes with that, you will remind them that all they need is Jesus because you are enough. You are enough, Lord. Thank you for all of what you're going to do today. Bless all of these dads, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all, put your hands together for Pastor Robert. <clears throat> you know, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think of two things. And if you'll give me a few more moments here. Um, you know, there's a book that we've talked about a lot, Intentional Father, which I really encourage you guys to get it, whether you have kids, you don't have kids, um, you mentor kids, whatever. But there's a section in this book, and Pastor Robert made me think of it right there. You know, when a dad gets into his late 50s and 60s, every dad asks the same question. Every dad. How did I do? And, and what I know is that a lot of you guys in here, you're going through life and you have maybe some tension, you have hurt with your parents, and something that Pastor John Tyson encourages dads to do is to write a letter to their dad, good or bad, telling them what they did right, exhorting them, telling them what they did right. Y'all, that is one of the most healing things that you could possibly do, is to look back and honor your father, right? That's what the scripture tells us to do. I have people ask me all the time, how do I honor a bad dad? You look for something that he did right and you thank him for it. Because you know what? That's one good thing you wouldn't have had if he wasn't present in it, amen? And the last thing I'll give you, uh, and then we're gonna go into a time of worship and response is, um, did anybody grow up and your parents got sick of you watching TV and they literally cut the cable on the TV? I'm just curious if anybody else had that happen. Anybody, come on, show of hands. Nobody's mom, just my mom? Okay. Um, what that provided for me 
was <clears throat> I had ample time to just figure stuff out, right? <laughs> and so I just play in the yard by myself, like throwing bark, you know? I, you can throw bark an incredibly long way. Well, when you don't have other things to do, you just figure these things out. And I throw it. <laughs> and the other thing I learned how to do is do a rainbow. Anybody play soccer growing up? Soccer ball? And I remember the moment that that clicked, right? It's a rainbow where you roll the ball up on your heel, you kick it, and it goes over your head, and you catch it, right? And I, I finally got it. Like, over and over and over again, I could repeat it. It clicked for me. Y'all, one of the best gifts, listen to me, dads, that you can give your kids is help something click for them. Help the way that the world works click for them. Help them understand, hey, like, when you treat people this way, you're going to get this type of response. Hey, right now, are you acting with self-control? These sorts of things. I just want to encourage you, y'all, that's what discipling our kids looks like. And what I want to do is I want to close. I just want to pray a blessing over you guys. So if we could all across the room, let's stand over, stand up to our feet. Our feet, our feet, we have multiple of them, foots. And if you're dad again in the house, I just want you to hold your hands out in front of you, moms, friends, people around them, lay hands on them, let's pray over them. And uh, I want to pray over you right now, I want to bless you. God, I thank you for the dads in the room. God, we thank you for today that we've just gotten to learn. God, help us be people who provide. God, people who uh, rebuke, people who teach. God, people who love. And God, I just pray um, a renewed strength over the dads in the room. God, I pray that in areas where they feel like they're just blowing it, God, that they'd rise up, like the scripture says, on wings like eagles, and God, that they would keep pushing forward. God, we thank you for the call that you've given us. God, I thank you for every parent in the room. God, you equip us. God, you give us every good thing that we need. And God, we receive that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said...